0: All right, we're going to get started. Everybody have a hand out there on that table over there? If you need one, just raise your hand and Ben Protzman will bring you one. Yeah. All righty. Let's open in prayer. Our gracious God, we thank you for the chance to be together this morning, uh, even on this uh, blustery, rainy morning, to uh, gather in a warm building and to open up your scriptures. We pray that our hearts would be warmed as well as we meditate upon your rich provision in Christ. That's in his name we ask these things. Amen. All right, well, let's recite together question 113 of the Heidelberg Catechism on the 10th commandment. I will read the bolded question and invite you to respond in unison uh, with the uh, answer. What does the Tenth Commandment require? That not even the least inclination or thought against any commandment of God ever enter our heart, but that with our whole heart we continually hate all sin and take pleasure in all righteousness. I'm good. So here's my question for you, not rhetorical, I expect everyone in the room to answer, which is the hardest commandment for you to keep? Who laughed? (laughs) Because you're going first. Was that Mr. Stoddema? I'm not going to totally put you on the spot. You look like you're ready to answer, so maybe I will.
1: Okay. And I think a lot of breaking the commandments comes from wanting something that's not yours and, and coveting that, and then evil desires come. Mm. Other commandments are broken. Okay. Other they commandments, they build, on each other. they build
0: on each other. Interesting. Okay. Good. Well,
2: I would say that's the first
0: commandment. The first commandment. Have no other gods. The greatest Okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul mind. and strength. Okay. To love God with everything is. Yeah. Good. Well, I thought this might be a tough question for you guys to answer, but evidently you guys are. <laughs> oh, we know sin well. Yeah, we know sin well. We know which is the hardest. Any. He... Um, have you ever talked to someone about sin, a non-Christian maybe, and had them say that they're a good person, they keep, they keep God's law, they keep the commandments? You ever. Other than shock, what's your response? How do you respond when somebody says, "No, I've kept God's, I've kept the commandments, I've kept"? I would
2: say perfectly.
0: Okay, perfectly. Well, how the first person goes, "Yeah, I think so." Perfectly. Yeah, sure. You've never thought
1: <laughs> or had an evil motive ever. Never lusted after a woman. Never stole in your heart.
0: So then you start to go into specifics. Okay, good, good. I always think one of the fun questions to ask for someone who's told me they kept the Ten Commandments is can you name them? (laughs) (laughs) You usually get about two in, right? Uh, Okay. Any other? Yeah, good. Uh, Sometimes it's good to just pick one commandment, start to wrestle with the implications. You know, Gary obviously picked the seventh. Have you never lusted after a woman? Things like that. He's he's picking implications of do not commit adultery with the seventh commandment. Uh, Sometimes it's good. Pick a commandment and start to drive in. If you could, which commandment would you pick? Gary picked the seventh. That's probably just a male problem. (laughs) If you're talking to a guy. Okay, good. Probably uh, idols or another god. Good. right is, the yeah absolutely I'm always sorry I'm always intrigued with an so, see what does it mean for you to honor the Lord's day right uh, Wait, what do you mean right did you know that one of the commandments is about God's day right um, good
1: of everything that he was. Nobody has
3: ever said they were, Not one. Mm-hmm. I said he's the standard.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, we, Yeah, that's definitely a problem uh, is, is what we understand obedience to God's law to be. And this is important because we're coming to the end of our study on the Ten Commandments in the Heidelberg Catechism, and it's good to pause and have some reflection on the commandments as a whole. And next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at why we have the Ten Commandments and what purpose they serve in our lives. But today we want to focus in on the Tenth Commandment, which I think is often overlooked. The Tenth Commandment does not usually get a lot of what we might call airtime, uh, a lot of discussion and, and focus. Any thoughts on why that might be? Why doesn't the Tenth Commandment get as much attention as the other commands? Yeah, Charlie. Might it Yeah. The
2: other
0: right. I think you're exactly right. One of the reasons is you can see when somebody murders, dishonors, disobeys their parents, doesn't honor the Lord's day, uh, when they steal or lie or commit adultery. Right? Coveting is invisible in that sense. It's inside the heart. Not that other sins are born out of something inside the heart or that we can't commit those internally. But coveting is, yeah. And if we don't open our mouth and say, you know, I'm really coveting that over there, it's harder to see. That's a great point. Good. Any other reasons?
3: Good. I I uh, You know, you, you go to your house and see that limbering stone you put in there. I look back and go, yeah, I'd like to have that. Did I just covet?
0: Hmm. Not always having a clear definition, okay? <laughs> and,
3: yeah, I mean, this, this real coveting, just a real anguish. I've to have
0: it. Yeah. I've got to be coveted. Yeah, and we're going we're gonna to get there, but I just so that we don't bury the weed. If you're ever wondering if you're coveting, what? yeah, just, uh, if you have to ask, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get there, yeah, uh, Charlie, I saw my mom raise her hand, so, you, yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah. It's fear of being exposed. Yes. Yeah. So we just don't discuss that. Carlos? <laughs> uh, <Ola>. uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think we do trivialize it in a way. We don't give it the weight. And and, and part of the rest, you know, I think you're right. On some ways, it's um, harder to see the outward working. I think maybe one of the reasons well, is that it's easier to convince ourselves that we haven't disobeyed the others because they're outwardly worked, right? We, we, can, we can convince ourselves uh, we, we haven't borne false witness because we've never relied on the stand in a courtroom. Or because we never, never stole, because I never walked into a store and out of the store with something, got behind the wheel of a car that doesn't belong to me, and driven away, right? But who of us can sit there and say, yeah, I don't covet. It's just too convicting. It's, it's so obvious. I think sometimes we ignore it because it's so uncomfortable. Yeah? So, you
3: think in the sense
0: that our oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because what could be more American? That's what James Boyce said.
1: Our economy would collapse if, if we didn't, if the world didn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we want to spend our time talking about today. Uh, and maybe next week, we'll see. Uh, so here's my main point. Covening is any discontentment with God and his will, and leads to breaking all the other commandments. That's that's what we I want to try to argue. Uh Quickly, briefly, and whimsically this morning. Um, So, the 10th commandment says, You shall not covet. Uh, Mr. Draper pointed out, we're not always sure what coveting is. So, what is coveting?
3: I think the Belgian Confession says it any unlawful desire.
0: Any unlawful desire. Okay. Well,
3: it's more than that because it's
1: not necessarily wrong, but when you want what somebody else has, that's definitely wrong.
0: Okay, good. So, okay. The
1: Shorter Catechism says what's forbidden in the 10th uh, Commandment is the 10th Commandment prohibit all discontentment with our own estate, giving or greeting at the good of our sins.
0: Why does it have to be so explicit?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Good, overly emotional, good. So, so uh, what, you know, uh, let's do the cheesy you know, preacher style. I went to the dictionary. Well, but it's okay to start there. Coveting is a desire to possess something that belongs to someone else. It's a desire to possess something that belongs to somebody else. That's where we're going to start. And then start to unpack some of these things that you guys are getting at because it's so good. Specifically, the 10th Commandment says don't covet uh, your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, or your neighbor's husband, ladies, uh, your neighbor's servants, or your neighbor's ox or donkey, or you know. So is that it? Is that an exhaustive list? Is it okay to covet goats so long as you don't covet oxes and donkeys? Right. I know oxen is the portal of ox. Okay, uh, is that it? No, because what is the, where does the tenth commandment actually end? It
2: doesn't.
0: Well, no, but it says one more thing: wife, house, servants, ox. Right. Or anything. Just to be clear, that this is not an exhaustive list. These are examples, but let's be clear: anything that is your neighbor's. Tenth commandment forbids all coveting. Yeah, Rex. It's not constricted
2: to things that belong to your neighbors.
0: Okay. Yeah, it doesn't just pertain to things that belong to your neighbor. What are some of the things we covet? Status, good. What else? Youth. Youth. Ah, somebody's age, right? What else? Unlawful uh, pleasures. Okay, pleasures, good. Popularity, popularity, status, uh, accolades, good. That it? Health. Do we ever covet other people's physical health? Intelligence? Good. Their comfort? Huh? Yeah, yeah. And because of that, we, we, it's all sorts of things, isn't it? And, and so it, it doesn't have to be somebody's possessions. It can be their life, their style, their family, uh, their children, their parents, their, their health, their, their comfort, um, their popularity, uh, and, and on and on the list goes. And it can show up anywhere, and it's pervasive. Anything you can want, you can covet. Yeah, Brent. Brent. I would not I would say not maybe. Was that their fruit? Was that theirs to take? Did they want it? Yeah, that's coveting. Yeah. And it gave birth to all sorts of sin, didn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It was good. Well God made it. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's one thing to identify what coveting uh, uh, is, what we, what, what, what's forbidden. It's another thing uh, entirely to ask what causes coveting, where it comes from, the root of coveting, the heart of it, what drives it. Um, so what do you think it is that drives coveting? Our love of self. <laughs> Our love of self. What do you mean by that, Steve? Saying we deserve more good. Yeah, and you actually said two things. Not being content with what God gave us and saying we deserve more. Those are two huge issues, right? Contentment and love of self. Um, we covet when we are not content with what we have. Uh, its discontentment, as another way to say it, that drives us to uh, covet what others have. Uh, but really, discontentment is, doesn't just stand behind coveting. It, really, discontentment is just a synonym for coveting. Uh, we only covet when we are discontent. The two are just two sides of the same coin. The tenth commandment could be rendered: "You shall not be discontent." Does that make you more comfortable or less comfortable? Less. Significantly less comfortable, doesn't it? Makes me significantly less comfortable. If God had stated it negatively, you shall not be discontent. Ouch. Ouch. I was about to ask for volunteers to raise your hand if you're chronically discontent. Thank you, Tim, for starting us off. (laughs) Was that not why you were raising your hand? (laughs) I'm chronically discontent. I don't know about you.
3: (laughs) Well, what popped into my head was uh, the number of times, uh, especially in the Old Testament, where prophet or whoever might say, the Lord is my portion. Mm -hmm. Now, if the Lord is my portion, there's no room for coveting. Yeah. So the Lord is not my portion when I covet. that's, That's serious.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah.
3: But well,
0: that's a discontent. It is a discontent. I have the Lord, and yet I'm not content.
3: Right.
0: Yeah. <sighs> uh, and then, Hazari? Uh,
3: well, sometimes we put the Lord on hold and
0: mm-hmm. then come back to it later. All right. As soon as we get what we want, right? Yeah, and, and... Double heart, double-mindedness, <laughs> double double right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and then when we talk about what drives that discontent, I think Steve's right. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's love of self. It's a desire for your... Another way to, to define love of self is a desire for your good above that of others. A desire for your good above that of others. Uh, di- discontentment or coveting is driven by a desire for, for you to benefit more than others around you. So we covet when we believe we deserve something that uh, more than others do. Uh, when we prize our happiness above the happiness of others, we covet when we think we are entitled, we are owed something simply because it is good or because we like it. Uh, we are discontent... When we uh, think others have let us down, when we think the world has let us down, or when who has let us down? God, ultimately, right? You see, we direct coveting at our neighbors. We, we covet what our neighbors have. But really, who is attacked when we covet, when we are discontent? God. Why God? Right, Because at the end of the day, who's the one who has the power to change things? God. If if God wants you to have something, will you have it? Yeah. God snaps his fingers. It's there. Right? If you don't have something, ultimately it's because God has determined not to give it to you. As Job has said, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And then he also says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. When you think you should have it, but you don't, you're saying or believing that God has in some way failed you. I should have this and I don't. Who's ultimately to blame for me not having it? And when we're saying that, what are we ultimately saying? His judgments aren't as good as mine. What else? You guys can push deeper. I know you can. Absolutely. Okay. Good. I'm going to take it. Good. But if God's judgments aren't as good as ours, we want to be in charge. Yeah. Not him. Good. Is he as good as we are? I mean, after all, if I rendered better judgments than he does, doesn't that kind of make me better than he is? Yeah. Is he really good? Is he really holy? Perfect? Really? Doesn't it seem like perfection would be to make my life better, easier, the way I want it? Yeah, Absolutely. Why does all this evil exist? Why is my life so hard? Why did this happen? You know, I want to do it this way. I'm good. God's allowed it to happen this way. He can't be good. <coughs> good. My, my life, I, I, could, I would have made the
2: better decision.
0: Absolutely. At the end of the day, yeah, all disbelief is a, is a judgment against God as being good. Good. Steve, what were you going to say? If he was good, he'd do it our way. Absolutely. All Absolutely absolutely because in our mind who is good we are when we're coveting we're saying that we are better and wiser than god and what is that when you say that you are better and wiser than god idolatry. <laughs> foolish <laughs> idolatry why do you say idolatry What is idolatry? Love itself. It can't be. Okay, simply defined. Somebody comes up to you and says, "What's idolatry?" So, you know, worshiping, other gods. worshiping false gods. Yeah. So, how is thinking you're, you're better than God idolatry? How is it the worship of a false god? Because
3: you put yourself
0: on. Because you're worshiping yourself as God. Absolutely. They just want to connect the dots. You're exactly right. But here's the problem. Isn't there already a commandment about idolatry? Which one? Pop quiz. Well, it was sort of the first one. Yeah, yeah. So first and second, very specifically, you shall have no other gods before me, first commandment. Do not make for yourself any graven images, right? Second commandment, right? Those two specifically address idolatry. No other god, and no making of gods, right? No worshiping, good. Um, and, and 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 this is and this is you know, John's not alone. There's this guy named Paul. I don't know if you've heard about him. He's from Tarsus, and uh, he, he uh, in Colossians three he says. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you: sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. idolatry. John, you're right. You agree with Paul. That's a good place to be, right? You greet the Holy Spirit. Uh, covetousness is idolatry. It's a love of self. Is the tenth commandment simply repeating the first or the second commandment? Is it is it unnecessary? Okay. Okay. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sorry?
3: There's also the separation between the the first few commandments, which specifically about my relationship with the Lord, Mm -hmm. and that last one was about how I interact with
0: you. Absolutely. Yeah. It It's showing us one of the ways idolatry can take place, but it's not comprehensive of it, right? Absolutely. Uh, And it plays out in my relationships with others in ways we don't always think about being idolatrous. Good. But really, what Paul is doing in Colossians 3 is he's connecting the first and second commandments with the tenth. Um, They're related, and they're related in two directions. Um, The reason we covet is because we esteem ourselves above God, because we worship ourselves, because we worship a false god. And that's one form of idolatry, worship of self. But coveting is also the reason people worship false gods, Well, they bow to idols. Any idea why I would say that? Coveting is the reason people worship false gods, not just self, but false deities, Allah or others like that. Why? Would I say that coveting is the reason people worship false gods?
2: Because they're disliking the one true
0: God. In what way are they dis- unlike the one true God?
1: Uh, his holiness.
0: Okay, His holiness, absolutely. control. Every other false god, every false god, every not true god, offers the worshiper control in some way. If you do this, I will, I'm will. i required to do this. If I'm good enough, if you're good enough, I'll reward you with heaven. If you you make this, do this and so on. Every false god can be controlled and God says no. I will accept one thing and one thing only. Absolutely Total surrender. Every false god that man has conceived of makes an offer to reward you and bless you and fill your insatiable desire for more through some, some way. Absolutely. We we'd go after other gods because we want more and they can be manipulated or controlled to give it to me. They're all works, works related. They're all works related and god is the only one who says you can obey me perfectly and i owe you nothing <laughs> right that that when job who's who's the most righteous in his generation stands before god and says what did i do to deserve this you owe me more and god says let's talk about what i owe you how does that conversation end job saying i'm going to sit down now <laughs> total surrender I owe you everything, and anything you give me is up to you. We don't like that. Coveting can't drive that worship. Every other God, it can. But it's not just the first and the second commandments that are connected or even driven by coveting. What's the third commandment? I'm going to race through these just because um, time is short. Third commandment. Uh, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We've talked about this many times. This is really, don't take it to your own vanity. This is attacking uh, a a view of God's name that's incantational. If I just sprinkle God's name over my prayers, my desires, I obligate him to do my will. God says, "This this is the name it and claim it movement. I, you know, I, I'm praying Jesus' name on this thing or that, and forcing God by invoking his name to do my will. That is chiefly what the third commandment is about. Yes, it, it, it forbids all uh, unholy use of his name. Um, but it's, it's specifically this idea that, I, that God's name is like a spell book that I can just quote to force him to do my will. Right, I want something, so I'm going to use God's name to force him to get it. That's coveting. Fourth commandment. What's the fourth commandment? The Keep the Sabbath day. Why do we break the Sabbath day? We want because we want our own thing. Whose day is it? It's the, Lord's. it's the Lord's day. And then we say, but I want it for my uses. <laughs> the only reason we break the, Lord, the, the Sabbath is because we determine... He doesn't deserve that day. I do. Lovers
3: of pleasure more than
0: lovers of God. Right. And that's covetousness. I, I'm not content to let that be his day. It has to be mine. Right? That's what we do. Let's, let's just be honest. Coveting drives the, the violation of the Lord's day. Uh, Fifth commandment. Why do we dishonor our parents? Huh? Because we want what we want. There's an honor that's due to them, but we want that honor. There's a respect, and obedience due to them, right, that we don't want to yield. We covet their honor. Why do we murder? Sixth commandment. And remember, that includes all harming of others. It's because we're not willing to suffer insult. We would rather harm or kill someone than suffer a loss or injury. Seventh commandment. Why do we commit adultery? Because we're not content with our own spouse or station if we're single, but want what belongs to someone else doesn't belong to us. The tenth commandment makes that explicit. Do not covet your neighbor's wife. In my morning Bible reading this morning, I just read about David and Bathsheba. Coveting. Coveting. Um, eighth commandment, why do we steal? <laughs> I think the connection between stealing and coveting should be pretty obvious. We take things that belong to others because we want them and think we're entitled to them. Ninth commandment, why do we lie? Are we content with Reality. Or do we wish that something was true that wasn't? Or wish something wasn't true that is? Um, We want someone else to bear the consequences for something we did. Or we want the reward for something somebody else did. What is that? That's selfishness. That's coveting. We want benefits for what they've done. We lie to get things to which we have no right. In many ways, coveting lies behind breaking all the other commandments. We've just been one through nine. Is it any wonder then that the Heidelberg Catechism, look again what it says. It forbids even the least inclination or thought against any commandment of God. It sees how coveting drives the breaking of these other commandments. Um, I think that's what Dave Stodema said earlier. Exactly. Exactly. Um, violating the other commandments flows out of a coveting heart. Maybe one of the reasons the Tenth Commandment doesn't get discussed so much is because it is so convicting. After all, who is really content? Which of us can say, I don't struggle at all with contentment? No, I'm I'm great. No, we, we struggle because the Tenth Commandment is such a toughie. Now, as is often the case, it tends to be easier to identify a problem than to know what to do about it. So in the, in the few minutes remaining, let's talk about how we can grow in contentment. It's not like you can simply snap your fingers and stop coveting. It's not as easy as simply looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, stop it. <laughs> stop coveting. What we usually say is, I wish I had contentment like that person over there. I just covet their contentment. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> there is lawful covetousness. Mm. Yeah, well, right. Right, there's a a way in which we could use that well. Um, The same way that jealousy, God has a jealousy that's appropriate, right? Um, If you want your body to grow strong and healthy, what do you need to do? Feed it what? John says feed it. That's you cannot simply give that instruction to a five-year-old and think that it will be followed well. Huh? If you want your body to grow strong and healthy. Don't get ahead of me, you people. Uh, if we want our bodies to be strong and healthy, we need to nourish them, feed them, nutritious, well-balanced diet, Right? The Lord draws parallels between our bodies and souls, John. Now you can go there. Right? That it if you want to stop being discontent, it's not don't focus on the discontentment, feed the contentment. How do you think we do that? How do you feed contentment? Uh, Joey? Uh, remembering? Remembering what? Mm -hmm.
2: remembering all that we have received how we were once enslaved now we're in the wilderness and we get tired of (laughs) Anna
1: wandering but remembering
2: where we come from where we are and ultimately um,
0: where we're going okay good uh, Dave and then my mom
1: Say, don't do these things. And he does, but he says, Thank, "Live in thanksgiving. Mm. To have thanksgiving in your heart." And, and I think that if you want to be content, it seems to me that you first of all have to say, "I am so thankful for what God's given." You. Good.
0: You Good gratitude for what you do have. Yeah, mom. Count your blessings. Count your blessings, right? Uh, Tim.
3: Um, for myself, seeking to pursue a singleness of purpose.
2: Yeah.
3: Not focusing on that. You know, Psalm 27 says, one thing have I sought of the Lord. To dwell in His place
0: and to seek after Him." Yeah. Uh, no, anyway. That's about focus, isn't it? Yeah. What do we tend to focus on? Let me give you a couple uh, uh, options and you tell me which we tend to focus on. Do we tend to focus on those who have more than us, or us, or those who have less than us? Huh? Good point. <laughs> Nobody answers. Do we tend to focus on what God has already blessed us with, or what He has yet to bless us with? Do we tend to focus on what is good for us, or what is exciting and pleasurable? Where'd you get
3: this list? <laughs> Sadly, my
0: own heart. <laughs> I, yeah, I did, I did clinical studies in the mirror. Um, the more time we spend focusing on what we don't have rather than what we do, the more we feed discontentment. What we need to be doing is feeding contentment, and that means learning to spend our energies and focus on what God would have us focus on. Think of things like Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Set your mind on these things. Focus on these things. Meditation on truth leads to peace. It leads to contentment and to gratitude, thankfulness, Ephesians. Um. So let's think about some of the lovely truths that God would, uh, the truths of God that we should meditate on if we would want to grow in contentment. If we want to grow in contentment, here's some things to focus on and meditate on. First, an honest assessment of your own sin and what it deserves. If we are honest with our sin and our rebellion and our, uh, our affront to God's holiness... Will we naturally think God owes us more? No. Not at all. That's the first thing. Focus on God, on what our sin and what it deserves. Second, a humble acknowledgement of what you already have in Jesus. Think about what Jesus gave us. Forgiveness. Heaven. Fellowship with him. He is my portion. Fellowship with others. Community. Heaven itself has our inheritance. Our problem is not that we have been given too little. (laughs) It's that we forget, Charlie, he said remember. I'm not saying he's forgotten this, uh, though he has. We forget what we have. We want the wrong things. We meditate um, on the things we wish we had rather than the things we do have. Meditating on your blessings... Will quash discontentment. Did, was your hand up? No. Okay. So here's uh, in the last few uh, minutes. Let's let's think together. Where do we learn to confess our sin and focus on the blessings of God? Is there a particular place where a healthy appetite can be fed and our souls be nourished? <laughs> At church. At church. Now, that's true. Let's not skip over some of the other places, though, right? Obviously, uh, reading our Bibles, right? Prayer, getting into it with the Lord, letting what's in your heart come out, uh, fellowship, right? The more we give our, ourselves and our time to these things, the more we will meditate on God's truth and not feed the lies of a discontented heart. But we do earn these things, and the- yeah, Charlie.
2: Dissatisfied, um, to have parts yeah. of to, to want the next thing. Yeah. How much are we in the world versus not?
0: If, you, if somebody totally emaciated came up to you and said, You know, I'm just always tired and weak, and you're like, Well, talk to me about your eating habits. I just don't have time for that. I'm so exhausted, it takes all my time just to do everything else. What would you sit there and say? do you expect things to change if you don't feed your body, right? Somebody comes up, oh, I just struggle, I'm discontent, my mind's never on the thing, okay, and how do you feed, right? Where's your time? We don't always make that connection, do we? I saw a hand up somewhere over here, maybe, maybe not.
1: In the Lord and, and bring those to him, I think it, it makes it easier to be, it's still going to be a struggle, but I yeah. think it helps a lot. There's there's
0: things we should be can and should be doing all week long: feeding, resting, meditating, praying, all those things. Fellowship,ing Amen. Um, but these things do uniquely come together in worship, and that should be feeding the rest of the week. But think about worship: how it reorients our eyes. The first thing we do when we enter in. Is we begin by being confronted with our sin and confessing our need. Uh, this is great for silencing the idea that God owes us more, isn't it? Uh, worship is God centered, God focused. From beginning to end, it should be at least. We are reminded that this is God's world and we are blessed to share in it. We hear about the work of Jesus, we hear about his grace, his forgiveness. Uh, the blessings he showers upon us. And that is great for feeding our gratitude. Nothing feeds contentment like an awareness of how much you have that you don't deserve. And worship feeds that. Worship feeds that. And finally, also the third thing we do in worship. So we, we our sin is confronted, pointed out, confronted. Our our blessings are enumerated, and we're called to remember and focus on them. But the third thing that worship does, and I think this is one of the main reasons God doesn't allow for Christians to be isolated apart from the church, is because in worship, we practice putting others before ourselves. We, try, we model this in the, in the prayer of the church. We've talked about this before. This is why we start with the needs of the world and our country before our own congregation. Because we, we admit that, that prayer is as much a time to serve others as, as to seek the Lord's provision for ourselves. That we we don't just pray for ourselves, we pray for others. Um, we, Another way to say it is we want to remember that it's better to give than to receive, right? And that brings us to our offerings. We give in order to bless others. Um, Deuteronomy 26 is is awesome. Uh, When when the Israelites uh, would bring their offerings to the temple, they had something that they were supposed to recite and say as they brought their gifts. Let me read it to you really quick. This was their confession. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. And there became a, a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid, us on, laid on us hard labor. And we cried out to the Lord, and God, the God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. And the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror and signs of wonder. They were taught to confess as they brought their gifts that at one time they were poor, they were enslaved, but it was God who gave them freedom, that he is their inheritance he gave them provision, and now they bring a part of that provision to care for others. That's what we do every week when we bring our gifts. That's what we're. Uh, that's what we should be thinking. That's what we should be confessing and believing. And when we do that, it feeds our contentment. We don't want to simply just focus on what we're not supposed to do, but on what we. How do we feed contentment? How do we feed gratitude? And, and the Lord does that in worship, and it should. feed, work its way out into the week. Uh, We're at time, so I'm going to pray, and then if you have questions or thoughts, we can chat afterwards. Our gracious God, uh, we thank you, we thank you for your many, many gifts. You have indeed blessed us. Father, we ask that uh, even as we prepare to enter into worship and put these things into practice, that you would drive discontentment far from us and that you would make us a contented people. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.